This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 126. I'll be home for Christmas. Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. So yes, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A different Christmas. Yep, exactly. Can you hear the sultry sadness in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like that word, yeah. sultry. <laughs> well, we wanted to bring up this episode from our archives because it is so timely. Mm. I think even more appropriate than when it first aired back in April. Which kind of feels like a million years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Spring? What is that? <laughs> and I look back upon all the shutdowns we had in the spring, and I was really quite certain. I don't know if you felt the same way, Daniel, but I was really quite certain that COVID would be a thing of the past come Christmas 2020. Mm. And frankly, I was ready to give up celebrating Easter with our family and friends because I knew, I knew that we would be back together for Christmas. But here we are, only days away from Christmas, and we are still in the same spot. Mm -hmm. With strict lockdowns and instructions from our government to not allow anyone in your home, Christmas for us is certainly going to feel different than years past. That's why on today's episode, we want to learn how to celebrate everything when you feel like you can't celebrate anything. We had the privilege and honor of interviewing Catherine Wolf. She is an author, a speaker, an advocate for disabled individuals and their families, and runs the nonprofit ministry Hope Heals. You'll hear more of her story during the podcast, but she has learned to survive anything by redefining everything. One of my favorite parts of this episode was her constant reminder that our goal should not be to live a pain-free life. Mm-hmm. We can learn so much about ourselves, about others, and about God when we allow Him to meet us in our pain. We pray that this episode brings hope and healing as 2020 comes to an end and 2021 begins. Yeah! <laughs> well, you know, it's fascinating. At the time of this recording, California just went on lockdown. And as I was reading the news, I was like, okay, they're like, You're, you have to stay in your home unless you are an essential service. And I was like, okay, what are the essential services? You know, grocery stores, police, fire department, you know, hospitals. And and yes, all that was in the list. But you know what else was in the list? Podcasting. What? No way! is considered an essential service according to California. So welcome to the essential (laughs) (laughs) podcast. No, I did that so funny. Weird. We are changing lives behind our microphone. I love that. Yeah, that's so awesome. (laughs) So Catherine, um, I know many people are loving your books and you're in Jay's books and uh, your podcast as well. But for our podcast family who may not know know who you are would you be able to tell us a little bit about your story and oh sure absolutely I um yeah as a 26 year old and in perfect health with no prior medical history family history nothing 
Um, I had a massive brainstem stroke out of nowhere. Mm. It, was, it was due to an AVM, which is an arterial venous malformation, that was a tiny collection of blood vessels in my brain that actually were a birth defect. I was born with it. It's like a really bad aneurysm Mm. that grows and grows and grows in your brain or anywhere in your body. And then mine ruptured when I was 26, and that caused a massive brainstem stroke. And when I had the stroke, um, the doctors did a surgery to save my life, but in saving my life, um, many, many things had to be sacrificed okay. um, to get the, the bleeding to stop. So mm-hmm. I um, tragically am severely disabled today, but they, they obviously kept me alive, so it was worth it a thousand percent, but they um, had to remove my ability to walk. I have to use a a walker and a wheelchair now. And I um, can't drive a car and my hand doesn't work. One hand doesn't work and my face is paralyzed. And I have a number of really bad health issues now. Um, But life has really gone on. And I was in am still married to the man who walked through this with me, Jay. And my son James was six months old at the time when I had the stroke, and he's now 12. And I had um, another baby just four years ago. So John is four years old now, and both are doing well. And, yeah, life has really gone on Mm post-stroke, and we are – living a, a wonderful life and a wonderful story, even in the midst of um, some intense challenges. The disabilities right. on my body are, are definitely extreme, but um, there's no, no um, sense in my life or our story that my life isn't wonderful because I had a stroke. It is. And God is so at work and on the move um, in my life, despite um, what some would consider the worst thing in the world to have happened, which is, you know, tragedy um, in youth. And Mm -hmm. the, you know, 26 year old young mom becomes really disabled sounds like the worst Mm. and yet it really wasn't the worst Mm. at all and life is so filled with such intense purpose and um yeah my life is just so full and rich my husband and I began our ministry Hope Heals and now have two books our original book same name as the ministry Hope Heals and now a second book Suffer Strong So can you take us from the book that you wrote, Hope Heals, and then to this new book, Suffer Strong, um, for the people who've read the first book, um, what can they sort of expect from the second book? Does the story continue on? Is there something that you've learned? No, no, it doesn't continue on. Well, I guess in some ways it does, because the story's always continuing. Mm -hmm. However, Hope Heals is really our memoir of the stroke. It's really the story of what happened to us. Suffer Strong is the lessons learned. It's like the 
practical, here's the stuff of how to suffer strong in your own life. Mm -hmm. So the byline of suffer strong is how to survive anything by redefining everything. And it's really a deep dive at how life defines us. Our, Our lives are defined. And how in suffering, we get to redefine. We all, in our deep suffering, look at life differently. And then ultimately, hope in our stories, hope, the hope of Jesus, we believe, refines us. So life defines us, suffering redefines us, and ultimately hope refines us. So we have the opportunity to emerge refined because of our suffering, not in spite of it. Yeah. Can you can you say that sentence one more time? Suffering. Absolutely. Life defines us. Okay. Suffering redefines us. And hope refines us. Oh, wow. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And and Catherine, was this something that um that you learned in and through the process? Like for for our listeners, for our podcast family listening in, there's that sense of, oh, okay, that sounds good. I I I want the redefinition. I don't want the suffering. Uh, I want the redefinition because I'm not content or there's these things that I'm dealing with right now. Can you uh, give some words of encouragement to those um, in that place right now? Of course. Well, well, my story, to be clear, has been one not of always feeling strength in my suffering. It took five years for me to come up for air after the stroke. Both my husband and I, for about the first five years, were in a deep cycle of surgery and more physical therapy to learn to walk and swallowing therapies to relearn to eat food and just an endless cycle of near despair like feelings of will things ever go back to quote unquote normal and I think people need to give themselves tremendous tremendous freedom and permission to take time to grieve the losses before you can then celebrate what remains. And I think people try to rush that process too much. People need to give themselves the permission to not wake up the morning after tragedy, Mm -hmm. um, you know, excited to take on life anew. I mean, there's much that, that is lost yeah. when there is lo- tragedy and loss. And the truth is God meets us there, yes, exactly. but it doesn't mean we have to tell the world about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It may take a few years, right. you know? And I think that's such freedom, the permission to grieve. I think that's amazing, especially for this time, Catherine, as there are so many people who have ex- uh, just experienced unexpected loss, whether it's through a right. job or, you know, um, parents who have had to stay home now because their daycares are closed or children who are home now who don't want to be home. They want to be back in their schools. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what your grieving process looked like? Because um, as much as we can name our grief, I think there's a lot of people who 
don't know how to grieve. They understand that I feel sad. And then there's other people who are like, you know, um, even just reading on Facebook, like, listen, our grandparents were in the war before and they had to do this. So perk up. You'll be fine. Just get over it. Be sad for two days and go on. And I think it just really helps people when they hear other people's stories to be able to be like, oh, so that that's what it looks like. And you're saying that, you know, you don't have to wake up the next day and feel better. But what does it look like when things are not back to normal, quote unquote, normal in a month or mm-hmm. in three months? Mm-hmm. So if you could share a little bit about your story, your grieving part, I think that would be um, in really hopeful even to us and our podcast Absolutely. Family. You know, they, they say that when we tell our stories of overcoming, that they become somebody else's survival guide. Oh, I love that. Yep. For overcoming. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that thought too. And that that is the truth because it's the the truth of Second Corinthians one. That when we comfort others with the comfort we've received, then we we are comforted ourselves. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful yeah. that the cycle of comfort um, comes. And I would say that's been a huge part of my healing is comforting others with the comfort I've received. It's balm to your soul to get to go outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think perhaps you're asking about before then, about the time of grief, right? right. Or both? Yes, both. You know, during the dark, darkest times of deep grief, um, I really wrestled with, did God make a mistake here by leaving me on earth and had, um, yeah, this weird caught between life and death thing been an accident? Could God be trusted? Is he even real? I mean, all the questions of this makes no sense. This is horrific. And I can remember in those terrible moments early on, really in in even in one specific moment, actually, I'm just really feeling a deep, overwhelming sense that somehow this was part of something so much bigger than I could ever understand. Mm. And that God's sovereignty was so profound that, and so deep that I could never understand how, but that I could trust God that this somehow fit. And this was exactly what, what my life was to be defined by. And there was such a glorious freedom in that. Instead of feeling just so cursed by God or relegated to life in a wheelchair or whatever, just that, you know, that now I'm I'm unqualified to do these things. Instead, in that moment and in every moment since then, I felt chosen by God which is such a bizarre feeling mm. that God chose me for this and chose this suffering for me. Ephesians 4, 1, that this is a special calling that I'm to live a life worthy of. And I deeply believe that God assigns everything in our lives to us. And when I see I'm on, and when I feel 
that I'm on assignment from God, it very much changes how I view my circumstances. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. When you were having those thoughts and those questions about life and was, is this a mistake? I'm still alive. And, and, and just those days and days and days, um, how did you, how did you turn the page? How did you turn the page? Because, you know, in your books and on your podcast, I mean, the thing that comes across is that y'all love to celebrate, yeah. that y'all love <laughs> to party during that unknown period. Um, did you stop celebrating and how did you start celebrating again? No, that that's a great question. And the answer is c- kind of, I mean, I didn't eat for a year. So celebrations yeah. actually were quite different. Mm. And, you know, there there is this horrific paralysis that comes with deep tragedy. You feel frozen. Yeah. So perhaps one of the ways back to life is is to do just that, is to choose to still show up for life, to still celebrate even if everything is falling apart. Mm-hmm. So yes, we very much did. I mean, we still would drive even right after the stroke when we had to move miles, over 60 miles away from our old church. We would drive and still attend church. Here I am unable to eat in a wheelchair, just in a really, really compromised situation. And we still wanted to show up places and live our lives and not isolate or hibernate um, in the midst of our tragedy. And I do think that helped tremendously to help us turn the corner, turn the page eventually. Also, what tremendously helped us really to be able long-term to do that was to share our story. It's to start really, um, actually, it's funny. It kind of happened to us. We we didn't ever seek out that. Um, Early on, when I was still in the hospital, um, sweet family and friends set up what was called a Caring Bridge site. Have you heard of that? Like a site that you would... Do they have that in Canada? I don't know. I haven't heard about it. Yeah, let us know, Catherine. Maybe we do. We just don't know about it. (laughs) It's a wonderful website. I think it's still around where people basically give updates about what's going on medically with people. 
So that kind of morphed year after year into what became sort of a website just to keep up with my updates. Mm -hmm. And then now, of course, social media is so prolific that that's kind of the means to share updates of any kind. But basically, somehow sharing just basic info to pray for led to a real sense of like, there's purpose in this. I'm getting to share about the gospel of Jesus mm. in my story mm. and getting to go way beyond like my help to sharing about hope in Jesus. Right. And there's just, a, a, when you feel like your life is being used, it changes how you feel about your life. Mm-hmm. You are like, I'm a part of something. And for me, what that is, is being a tiny part of the, making the truth of Jesus known in our world. Mm-hmm. Living out Isaiah 26, 8, the yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth. We wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown and the desire of our hearts. Mm-hmm. So when you live with that purpose, that, um, that his name and fame is the desire of your heart and you get to be a part of helping others know that and see that and believe that it changes your desire to get up and go and turn the page. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, for sure. And I think it's, uh, it's so moving for those who are, I'm sure, who are reading your updates and um, as we share as believers, as we're walking through this very unknown time that we don't have all the answers, that we are grieving as well, that you know we're taking one step in front of the other, but we're looking towards Christ. I love our church has been talking a lot about Psalm 23. You know, even though we walk through the shadow of death, we fear no evil because you are with us and how right. we can really share show the hope that we have through just being honest and through um, the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And Catherine, as you were talking about before you, um, you and Jace kind of stepped into this, I wanted to share a personal story with y'all as uh, we got a copy of your book, um, Suffer Strong, and I was immediately drawn to it. We had actually been through um, our second car accident within two months. Um, All of our family were involved in in it, and from the first accident, I had a a severe concussion, uh, and then through the second second accident, I was actually very, very afraid. There's uh, about uh, probably about three or four days where I wasn't sure if my concussion was going to come back. And, um, but at least I could still read. And, um, so I picked up your book and went through the contents and the chapter that really spoke to me was chapter three, joyful rebellion, redefining. Yes. And the part that I underlined and highlighted and God really spoke to me, I want to read this to y'all, our podcast family. Celebration can be an act of worship and an act of hope and perhaps in a way an act of joyful rebellion against fear. It's about remembering our future. And I cannot tell you just the way that God moved through those sentences in my heart that just reminding me that he does have a plan and purpose for um, these things that have happened to us. And it just just filled me with so much hope and pointed my eyes in the right direction. So I wanted to thank you all for, for the book. And I also wanted oh, to... thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to, to be able to share with the ways that uh, God has used your 
your book to even minister to us. And that whole chapter, y'all, um, you know, if you're just thinking, maybe I should get the book, get the book even for the whole thing, but get the book for that whole chapter. <laughs> I think it's well, very, I, very I love, love, love that, that that's what really spoke yeah. to you because that chapter has a very special place in my heart, actually, because I feel like that is such the core of my message of who I am is about being a joy rebel in many ways. I like to say I'm an idol disruptor, actually, okay. because I get to be a part of disrupting the idol of the worship of a pain-free life. Wow. And that is wow. so powerful that really all of us bow down and worship this idol of health. And that's the only way there's joy in life is if we're healthy and wealthy and life is great and easy. And the truth is the opposite, that celebration and joy can be a part of the hard stories of suffering. And those are not mutually exclusive, that good, good, wonderful, and hard, difficult are not um, mutually exclusive. And we can celebrate even when things aren't perfect. And celebration is an act of worship. You're absolutely right, because we are all worshiping something. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. truly, we can very powerfully celebrate, even in the midst of our hard hard situations and stories. And what is so interesting is in this moment, that feels very applicable. Yes, exactly. It's really, yeah, it's very powerful to, to have this conversation today in the midst of, yeah, some really tough stuff in the world and some tough suffering. Yeah. And yeah, I, um, I love that joyful rebellion. Redefining celebration is important for us all yeah yeah in that chapter you talk about how celebration can be an act of four things worship community faith and joyful rebellion can you walk us through each of those four points starting with worship the wait is over find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th dead sea squirrels book babylon breakout Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Oh, sure. Well, specifically, worship may be something that you're not always feeling right. in the midst of really hard times. But the truth is, Psalm 42.5, that we can get bossy with our souls, honestly, and get our soul back on board with what we know to be true. I love the, the, the psalmist writing in 42.5. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then we see the shift, hope in God. For I will again praise him, my rock and my salvation. So we see the psalmist get his soul back on board and say, here's what we're doing. 
We're actually going to take this situation that we're in and we're going to rejoice in the Lord. I um I can't remember if it's in that chapter or not. Or actually, maybe it's not even in that book. Maybe it's in my first book. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember. I talk about Habakkuk 3, um, 17 and 18 are a beautiful passage of scripture that say, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep on the pen, in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Mm-hmm. And way back in 2009, right after, less than a year after my stroke, when I was still in a really bad situation, I took that passage and for some reason I rewrote it to fit my situation. So I wrote, though I cannot walk and I'm confined to a wheelchair, Mm -hmm. though my face is paralyzed and I cannot smile, though I am extremely impaired and cannot take care of my own baby boy, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And it was so powerful because what I was doing, I didn't even have words for it yet, language to, to describe what I was doing. I now know that to be very clear. I was preaching to my heart. I was getting bossy with my soul (laughs) and saying, yes, yeah, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will despite my situation. Mm. And It um, was very powerful, very powerful impact to the brain to rejoice in the Lord despite everything falling apart in your story. Wow, that's, that's, yes, that's worship. That is incredible. It's incredible. Absolutely. Thank you. I love in your chapter how, I mean, I would love for you to explain to our podcast family too, those who haven't read the chapter yet about your, I believe you called it your brokenness brunch (laughs) and how a celebration came out of not that things were perfect, but that y'all were broken. Can you give us um, a little bit of a picture of what that looked like as you were celebrating your brokenness? Absolutely. I I love the brokenness brunch <laughs> so much. I'm so glad you asked about it. Basically, I gathered four friends um, way back in 2014, I think, so six years ago, and hosted a brokenness brunch, um, which was just my little offering and idea that I think the Lord really put on my heart to do to uh, do a number of things, actually, one of which is to encourage us in our brokenness. But two, it was this bizarre perspective-giving moment, and God really met us there. What I did was invite four friends over for brunch, where each one of them was going through a very difficult trial in the midst of it, not on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And each one was very different than my own and different from each other's. So I stumbled upon something very, very beautiful in that we all had really bad brokenness in our stories. Um, One had extreme financial 
breakdown, tragedy. Her husband had lost his job. She was having to wait tables to make ends meet, and it was just a nightmare. Another had a special needs child with a difficult um, prognosis and future. Another had a mentally ill mother that was impacting her own children. Another husband had left her with three children to raise, so become a single mother overnight after finding out her husband had had multiple horrific affairs with mutual friends of theirs. Just tragic. And then I, of course, was coping with life um, post-stroke and a very disabled body with an uncertain future and just a real nightmare physically. And what um, God did as we took our coffee cups and toasted to God meeting us mm. on earth in that moment and in every moment of our suffering was really a rebellion. Because what we were doing as we gathered in that brokenness right moment was not celebrating our mess and the suffering, but celebrating God in the middle of the story mm. and celebrating the fact that he would never leave or abandon us and that he was good and present and in the midst with us. And also we were celebrating God's power, that his power was bigger than any problem that we could ever have, that his power was on display in our weakness, mm -hmm. actually. Second Corinthians 12, 9, that we could boast that his grace is sufficient and at work when we feel so inadequate. What we were ultimately doing that was so powerful, and I hope to start a trend. Everybody, go have a brokenness brunch. <laughs> Love it. Because, <laughs> because what um, that brunch was doing was saying we all have a different brand of brokenness. It looks very different for everybody. But it is all part of the same story of suffering. Yes, same story of suffering, but ultimately the same story of strength mm -hmm. that we can all find our strength in Jesus mm -hmm. to get through the deep suffering we're walking through. Amen. <laughs> exactly. And I'm thinking now is everyone, you know, may not be able to meet in their physical homes with a bunch of people and have this brokenness brunch. We can do this online. We can do it over FaceTime. Everyone bring Absolutely. coffee. Everyone bring your apple pie or whatever is your comfort food and be able to sit together. Doesn't matter if your hair is done or the kids are, you know, running around in the background or whatnot. And we can connect together. And a hundred percent. And be Absolutely. Re joyful rebellions together. <laughs> yes, yes. We get to have our brokenness brunch or whatever yes. we do. Any, <laughs> any sort of celebration in tribulation, I say. The tribulation celebrations can be an afternoon snack right. with their online friends yep. 
or a formal sit-down dinner with 50 one day when COVID's over. (laughs) doesn't matter what it is. It's about celebrating God in the story. Exactly. So, Catherine, as our final question for our podcast family, for... Um, what as this is as we were joking about that we are kind of history makers <laughs> in this time yeah. where no one in the world has experienced something like we are experiencing. Do you have anything on your heart that you would love to share with our podcast family as a final word as they're just listening maybe in the quietness of their bathroom because that's the only place that's quiet and can have you know time away from the yeah. family or whatnot. Um, is there anything that you would love to share to to yeah oh gosh so many things but what I have been so marinating on in this time but really in in every day Mm -hmm. post-stroke is that God made us for the hard parts of our stories and that includes this moment and everything hard we're walking through not associated with this moment with COVID we all have lives and problems already let's be honest But God made us for this stuff. He's given us everything we need. His divine power has given us absolutely everything we need to cope, to hope while we cope Mm -hmm. in this broken world we're in. That God is not thrown off by COVID. Oh, no, no, no. He is present in this and in all things, first your. And he wired us to, to live well even in situations that are not easy. Hmm. Catherine, that phrase, life defines us, suffering refines us, and redefines redefines us. And what was the last? Yes. Hope. And hope refines us, right? Yes, Yes, you're exactly (laughs) right. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the name of the game. Ultimately, hope refines us Mm. and we emerge as refined versions of ourselves because of the suffering we've endured, not in spite of it. Mm. Well, Catherine, thank you for the hope that you filled our hearts with Mm -hmm. in turning our eyes to Jesus and to the one who can truly give us that hope. Thank you for doing that for us, for our podcast family, because these are the days that we are in right now. Man, our world needs, if if it needs one thing, it needs hope. It needs a lot of hope in the midst of everything going on. So thank you, Catherine. I could not agree more. That's right. Well, Romans 15, 13 is the key for us all. And my prayer that made the God of hope fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we may overflow with hope Mm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the deep truth. We need hope and he is the hope giver. Amen. And that is something to celebrate. Yes. Thank you, Catherine. We told you it was going to be a fun episode, eh? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Catherine's incredible. Yes, she really, really is. And what a story. I love how she was sharing all her moments, her moments of celebration, her moments of grief, and her moments of learning to hold grief and joy or grief and celebration in both hands. Wasn't the story about her brokenness brunch just absolutely incredible? Mm Mm-hmm. The kids and I recently gathered around our kitchen table and had our own brokenness brunch. 
We had just found out that we could no longer have friends over for American Thanksgiving, and we were just just tired of it all, right? We ate dessert for breakfast and brought our tears, our disappointments, and our pain to the table. We talked, we cried, we prayed, and we hoped for a day that we could gather the people we love around our kitchen table again. We learned to lament. So maybe one of these days during this Christmas season, you can have your own brokenness brunch. Yeah, I think that would be really powerful because a lot of us have lost our hopes and our dreams in some senses, and we just don't really know where to turn. But I think it's really powerful if we take the time to name it for ourselves and help our kids name the losses that we've had, and also to remind ourselves that we are in it together. Mm -hmm. And you know what, if someone came to mind as you were listening to this episode, or if you feel like you could be an encouragement to someone by sending them this message where we're learning to celebrate everything when you feel like you can't celebrate anything, then the easiest thing to do is in your podcast app, just hit the share button and you can send this over to them. Or you can text them the link in between.org slash episode 126. But next week, Christina, on episode 127, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about the lessons from a year that did not go as planned. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.